Hey, what's up everyone? Hope you're doing well. We're back with another testimony. This one is from Nate. Um, you guys may have heard him on a couple of episodes from season one. He was on peace and on love. And he wanted to share his story with us. So check it out. Hey, my name is Nate, and this is my story. So, um, my mom and my dad are from Jamaica, and very similar to Amaris's story, my mom came to the States when she was 13, and um, she came here to be with her mom, who had moved here earlier um, to help provide for her family back in Jamaica. Um, so my mom and a few of her siblings moved here. As soon as she turned 18, she joined the Navy. And, uh, when she was around 30, she was stationed in Cuba. And at that time, a lot of Jamaican workers would come over to, uh, the base in Cuba to find work. And my dad was one of those workers, and that's how they met. Um, so I and a couple of other friends uh, were born in Cuba. Um, some my parents married there. I was born there. And then soon after, maybe a year later, I, uh, we came back to the States. Um, and yes, yeah, so I was... I was I was raised in a Christian home. Um, however, there's definitely some tension, um, infidelity, and you know other things that that uh, brought a great brokenness uh, into into our home, and I think similarly to what Amadis was saying, you know, some of that is a result of personal brokenness before. And so, um, when I was nine, my parents divorced. Um, they were separated for a while and then eventually divorced. Um, but even looking back before then, when I was around three or four years old, I was in this um, Christian school. We were living in Zion, Illinois. And I remember at that time, uh, during one of our classes, we, uh, the teacher led us in a sinner's prayer. And, you know, I said it, everybody was saying it. I think she was reading it off of this board. Um, and so that was my first time, I guess, engaging in something that we might normally associate in our Western experience with a, uh, with, you know, a salvation decision or a decision to, to follow the Lord. Uh, but growing up, I really didn't know what to make of that. Um, cause I knew that I said the prayer, um, and looking back, I'm not really sure why she did it. I'm not sure if it was, she wanted us to know how to say it or yeah, it's just kind of interesting trying to look back and find out figure out what was the purpose of that. Um, but, you know, I, I think definitely looking back, I would say I'd, I didn't know Christ 
and repeating uh, after her didn't change that. So I grew up in a Christian home, generally a quiet kid, didn't like to get in trouble, um, but still just as much a sinner as any other person, any other child. And um, so, like I said, when I was nine years old, uh, my parents divorced. Um, We continued to stay in uh, Virginia up until the age of 12 and kind of littered throughout that childhood is also just uh, difficulties with sexual immorality, both in, in my thinking and my actions. And part of that was, you know, going back to being three or four years old, um, having been misled, molested by another child that kind of set on fire this these passions and these desires that are not meant to be at that age, uh, nor before marriage. So that was something that I wrestled with a lot um, throughout my childhood um, and just strong desires for lust and to, and to have that fulfilled. Um, and yeah, I've, I'd always heard the gospel um, and I hated getting in trouble and generally I think you know you know I believed God existed I did believe that Jesus came to die for our sins but believe in the sense of you know trusting that these things were factually true not so much in trusting and trusting myself to God um so when I was 12 years old um, my mom, my sister, and I moved from Virginia to Texas. And the reason for that was my dad had moved to Texas. Um, he had remarried, established uh, himself, had another family. Um, and my mom wanted us to be closer to him. Um, she still wanted to make sure that we got to to be around him um, in our childhood. And, yeah, that was a big change. Um so I moved there, brand new environment, but um, we, you know, during that time, we're looking for churches, and it's just an interesting journey to watch how uh, how the Lord has guided my mom through the years, spiritually, theologically, and a lot of it has been through our church journey. So while we were there, uh, we went, you know, even, I would say even growing up in general from in Virginia as well, like, um, we've been to a lot of different kinds of churches. And if I look at, you know, right before we left, um, when I was around 12 years old, we had started going to a church that, looking back, my mom thinks it was a, an Episcopal church. Um, but it was just a very sweet church. And... The community was so sweet. People really loved each other and welcomed you as a visitor. Um, and it's not that I remember a specific sermon, but I think I remember the gospel being very clear. Uh, I remember they sang hymns and, you know, 
all these things that it just seemed like a very sweet community. And so for us to leave there um, at 12 years old, that was kind of, that was kind of big because we had gone to various other churches, had ups and downs and weird experiences. And my mom's, you know, all this time, she's just trying to figure out where the Lord would have us to be. Um, And, you know, being in a certain place, but realizing, you know, the teaching is, is kind of off, and so going to another place, and then um, there being some, you know, drama and, and social issues, and on top of, like, teaching, that's confusing, and so we were just in this journey of uh, of trying to find a good church, and we found one, um, but then we, we had to leave to move to Texas, and so as we when we moved to Texas, that that journey continued, um, and we eventually landed in a rather large church. Um, and I remember looking back, the uh, man like the youth group had everything. You know, they had all you know the dark room with the black lights and you know the crazy sound booth, and they had video games and you know all this stuff. Um, is uh, a pretty large church, but, you know, in as much as it had all of those things, uh, and eventually we moved to a building, and we had this crazy kid slide, and all this stuff, it, I just felt like I was lacking in, uh, a closeness, I didn't really feel very connected to the church, and one day I told my mom that, and she felt the same way, um, mind you, all this time, you know, I'm wrestling in conviction with the fact that I know the truth, and yet I'm still, uh, living in sin, and definitely keeping certain sins, um, secret and private, you know, primarily, uh, you know, nursing this addiction to pornography, and, and trying to keep that under wraps, um, as well as just, you know, talking, walking, living a different way at school with my friends, um, than I was at home, because I, like, my mom did raise us in a very godly manner, and so I knew right from wrong, um, I heard the word of God, um, and so I, I knew that I, I wasn't living right. And I was, the Lord was leading me and wrestling with these convictions in the midst of all this. And so, you know, just as my mom thought about it, um, and she had been serving in this church for, for you know, since we've been there uh, for two years. And there just really was a lack of connectedness. And not only was there that, um, but like the gospel was not, very strong, and there was, uh, a, there was a focus on a lot of, not just a focus on, on peripheral things that are good, um, but an emphasis on things that kind of overshadowed the gospel in the sense of an, an emphasis on, you know, it was it, it was borderline prosperity gospel light, um, 
and that and that was a big part of the emphasis and so you know that leaves you hungry as well like spiritually um so my mom went looking for another church and we went from this big church um and ended up in you know checking out this church that was 15 people meeting in a radio station um it may have even been less than that when we first started attending and you know I remember one of the first things that impressed me in going there was like these people just greeted me with such love and like I was family it was so weird to me as you know this 15 year old been to all sorts of churches but um you know the type of people that just come up to you and hug you and love on you and like you know, you barely know them. Um, the love of Christ was just, was very strong in their hearts, and they had a warm hospitality. And beyond that, or on top of that, the preaching of the pastor really convicted me. And he would say things from the Word of God, and, and you know, bring out truths that Jesus said, and I would think to myself, like, man, I don't remember Jesus saying that. Um, And it really challenged me. And the Lord used that to uh, press me towards reading the Word of God. And so here I am, a 15-year-old. I'm in high school. I'm reading the Word of God. And it just started convicting me. Um, Because up until that point, even though I knew that I was a sinner, and primarily I think I based that off of the hidden sin um, and not off of all the other sins that I was blind to. Um, I, you know, I had not encountered it, encountered my sinfulness in just my own personal reflection as much as I did is when I encountered Jesus in the scriptures and I started reading through the book of Matthew And, you know, I'm just reading through this thing and looking at Jesus talking to the Pharisees is like, man, like he told them, like, man, look at, look at Jesus. And then realizing, actually, I'm like them. Um, I am like these Pharisees. And. You know, at that point, as I'm reading through, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and reading through, you know, it's better to gouge out your eye and to cut off your hand than to enter into hell with, you know, both your eyes and your hands. Um, And just looking at the depth of the law and that it's not just about the letter, but it's about the heart and God sees the heart and it's the heart being pure and realizing that it's not just my ability to keep an outward appearance of righteousness, but my heart must must be righteous. I sought to obey those commandments. And I remember I'd go to school and I'm like, you know, I am, you know, I'm going to live this way and I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm going to start making some changes. Um, You know, one of those, one of the things that struck me was reading Psalm 1. And I'll read a little bit of that 
So in Psalm chapter 1, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Um, and I remember, you know, having read that one day in the morning, walking into school, thinking, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And I started thinking, that is me and my friends. You know, the man who walks in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers. That's us. That's me and my friends. Like, that's, that is the way that we live. We are the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. And that's the way that I was choosing to walk in, stand in, sit in. That was my life at school. Um, And so I remember thinking, you know, going into school, that conviction, saying, you know, today I'm not going to laugh at these dirty jokes. I'm not going to look at girls this way. I'm going to, you know, do X, Y, Z. And I'm going to teach to obey these commandments. And, you know, some days you'd walk away thinking, ah, you did, I felt like I did pretty good. Just because you could physically avert your eyes from looking at someone appropriately or you could avoid certain kinds of humor, you know. But, you know, what I found over time was uh, not success, but rather failure. And that I just really ultimately failed at obeying these commandments of God. Um, and just, I remember day after day, just like realizing this was hard. You know, I had misunderstood the law of God. And as Jesus expounded the heart of the law in Matthew, and as I looked at his purity, and as I looked at what he really required, um, as I was going through this gospel, recognizing, man, like, I am not good. I am not good. Fundamentally, not just in the sense of, I do some bad things, but I am not good. And ultimately, this was the issue. And this is what this is what I was doing. I was trying to make myself righteous through the law. And the reason I was trying to make myself righteous through the law, I didn't know it at the time, but looking back was, or maybe I did know it subconsciously, looking back, I... I didn't want to give up everything. I didn't want to give up my entire heart to God. That was scary. I, I kind of thought, you know, even in the back of my conscience, there, there's idols that I don't want to let go of. I, so if I can just do better, then, you know, I can be right and I can make sure I'm walking in the way of God. And... After a while of like, when you're really staring at the mirror of the law, it's going to show you the ugliness of your sin. And you recognize you can't just do better as a wicked person. Um, and so what that led to was me getting on my knees in my room by myself, crying out to the Lord, Lord, please clean me because I can't clean myself. And, you know, Multiple times, you know, I'd come before the Lord in that way. Multiple times asking the Lord, like, please, like, 
I can't do this. And it was ultimately through that that the Lord saved me. Um, and he heard my cry. And that the promise, the promises of scriptures, of scripture, uh, are true. That the Lord does not forsake the one who cries on His name, and He did. He was faithful to save me and to change my heart. And man, there there really was a a huge change that I think it was especially that sophomore year of high school. And um, one of the things that I still wrestled with though was just um, this addiction to pornography and you know we can call it an addiction I I'm careful because I don't want to victimize it in the sense of yeah sure like there's a victimization in the sense of maybe feeling like a slave um which is true was a slave but at the same time it's it's guilt like it's it's you know I'm volitionally choosing to sin um and a big part of what was nursing that continuing to happen was secrecy and sin flourishes in secrecy. Um, and I remember wrestling with that a lot. Um, but, you know, just as we're at this church and we're growing, eventually our youth group, uh, which was pretty small, we were growing as a church, but we were still pretty small. Eventually our youth group went to this camp in Dallas and at that camp, the Lord really worked in me in a way that I, I feel like jump-started my faith. Um, and yeah, I just, from the worship to the teaching and everything, I remember being really encouraged and not necessarily that I agree with everything, um, but I was just felt really emboldened and empowered in my faith. And halfway through the week on a, on a Wednesday, um, they separated the guys and the girls, and they had this talk on purity. And at the end of that talk, um, with this room full of guys, they invited if anybody wants to come up and have prayer, um, to be prayed for, for sexual purity. Um, they they invited us down to the front, and I remember thinking like I want to, but it was hard, you know, you're, you're essentially standing up and admitting, um, your failure in that area, admitting your perversion, admitting those things. Um, but by God's grace, and I know it was not me because my personality is to, is not to, to do that kind of thing, By God's grace, I did stand up. And at the same time, my friend who was like down, one person down from me stood up at the same time and we got up and um, went to receive prayer. And I remember walking out of there, hearing this other boy saying, I feel like the chains just fell off of me. And me and my friend uh, who I'd come to camp with, you know, we started talking and just sharing with each other, like in ways in which we had struggled. And man, there was such freedom. And, um, you know, obviously, lust manifests itself in many ways one of those big ways during this age of technology and internet is the computer um and i remember coming home from that camp 
Um, and one of the first, I think it was the first time that I was alone in the house, like looking at the computer and saying, never again. Now, looking back on my testimony, that wasn't the first time that I'd attempted, sought to, tried to um, stay away from pornography. Actually, you know, earlier, maybe a year or two before, like I stopped for like six months and then just one day was tempted and fell back into it. That's because, you know, I, I didn't know the Lord and I was ultimately a slave of sin. Um, and yeah, you know, me being able to say never again was not by my own volitional power and will. No, it was, I said that because I felt that it was true. Um, that that God had delivered me and that God would, would give me the power not to do that, not to so defile his name with that sin. Um, so moving on from there, after that summer, bottom line, I did not want to go back to public school. I felt like there's too many temptations there and like that was not going to be conducive for my Christian life. I was just scared that I was going to fall right back into the same sins. Um, sure enough, uh, the following fall, there I am sitting in orientation in the cafeteria at that same public school. Um, and I just remember being disappointed, like, man, like I, I wanted to go to Christian school. My sister at, at the time was at a Christian school. And so I was talking to my mom about that and it just didn't end up working. I don't remember all the details of it, but it didn't end up working out. And so there I was back in the same public school, back at the same temptations. And you know what? God made those last two years, my junior and senior years, uh, the best years, just in that things radically changed. Um, I recognized, and you know, I'm trying to hang out with my friends that they, uh, I loved them, but I could not be as close to them as I, as I was. Um, so I began to distance myself. I still, you know, still went to class with them, still said what's up to them, still had conversations when I saw them, but, you know, I didn't really eat lunch with them anymore. Um, or just kind of our normal gatherings where we'd get together and talk and, and ultimately it was because, um, I was just so influenced in a way that, you know, I would just fall to that pressure. Um, even if in my mind, I felt like, man, like, I'm not really into this anymore. This isn't funny, or that's not good, or, you know, whatever we would be talking about, even if that was the case, like, outwardly, uh, I just felt the pressure to conform um, because of this, like, yes, man, people-pleasing, fear of man, thing going on in my heart, and so I distanced myself, um, still love them, still, you know, when I saw them, make sure I said what's up, um, and one of my friends who the Lord, I think, was working in his heart at the same time came to me and said, brother, man, like, don't we need to reach them, um, and I said, right now, they're more of an influence on me than I am on them, and so I, I need to, to take some space, and, and I did, and 
me and him and a, and a couple other friends be, began to do Bible studies before uh, class, like just little devotionals. We'd, you know, sing a song on a guitar and then we'd um, read our daily bread. And then when it got cold, one of the, yes, it does get cold in Texas. Uh, one of our teachers found out was a believer. He let us uh, do it in his room. And that was super cool because we could throw theological questions at him. And he was a Christian and he was also a rapper and just super cool guy. Eventually ended up taking his class and, and loving that. And so I had really, the last two years were great. And the Lord really emboldened me. I was this quiet kid. But I had this conviction of like, now I have something to talk about. Like, I felt the need to share the gospel. Um, and so I sought to do that with my classmates. I would print out Bible verses and uh, hand them out. And what's funny is when you're at the school library, and it's probably the case in a public library too, there's a limit to how much you can print before you have to start paying whatever, five cents, ten cents a page. Well, one of the librarians was a Christian, and when she saw what we were doing, me and my buddy, um, she would let us print them for free. So we could print as many as we wanted. We print out these Bible verses and just a bunch of copies on one one page, and then we'd cut them out and just hand them out to classmates. Like, it was the verse of the day. And, um, yeah, some people, most people would take them, most you know, some people maybe weren't interested, but for the most part, people, people would take them, and, you know, sometimes we'd get to have spiritual conversations um, with them, and, you know, there's a number of things that happened during that time. Um, Sadly, what ended up happening in that church that I was in, and that I had come to know the Lord in, that I was growing in, was that it began turning towards the prosperity gospel, and it really just flipped the, the whole thing on its head in a very sad uh, way, and I remember sitting in church, you know, one day as the pastor was preaching, and looking over to my mom and being like, is that in the Bible? And then she would just look at me and, you know, discreetly shake her head, because, um, you know, here I am, I just become a Christian, and suddenly, you know, I'm having to use the discernment of recognizing, like, wait, something is off here, um, and so that was sad to see that dissolve and uh, we we were still in that church um, for a while until I until I graduated and I went to Liberty University and uh, I wanted to go there because you know it's a Christian environment and I had aspirations of like I love drawing and storytelling and I wanted to be a comic book artist but use that gift for the glory of the Lord um, and so initially I went there thinking I'm actually going to do biblical studies and then I'm going to get some kind of like art minors like I really want to know the Bible and um, and I and I as I tell stories I want uh, what I'm you know sharing with people uh, to be true like I want to share with people the truth um, I think the Lord through the scriptures and, and, and their power in my life, but also through seeing just the power of deception and confusion and all those things, um, whether it be, you know, in the church that I was in or in other Christian media and, and culture, uh, 
just wanting just the the truth of God's word and wanting to know that for myself and for my own heart and then also to make sure that that's what I was sharing um, because the Lord had been cutting through so many lies uh, in my life. And so I went there for that purpose. Um, first year was a bit of a struggle. I did not, uh, in that first year, find many godly friends. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, it was hard. And I just found myself, especially in my second semester, just praying to God for godly friends and just, you know, praying like, Lord, you gotta help me, (laughs) you know, like it's hard because I just, the people that I was interacting with for a large part just did not seem very interested in seeking the Lord. And, um, you know, quite a few of them were just very worldly. Um, and so I was crying out to the Lord, and He answered that prayer with an abundance of friends who were seeking Him. Um, you know, I maybe had a small group that were close to me, but the Lord just opened my opened my eyes to, you know, how many people there just uh, loved the Lord, and over time just met more and more people like that. Um, so just like any other school, going back to my experience in high school, where I'm like, man, I want to get away and go to this Christian school, you know, there's worldliness everywhere, there's temptation everywhere, um, and so that was my experience, even in going to Christian school at college, but also there are believers and those who love the Lord, and, my, and I felt like my experience was like Elijah coming before the Lord, Lord, I'm the only one left, you know, I'm the only one that, that's still a, you know, a prophet of God, still a follower of God, and the Lord told him, there's still 7,000 in Israel who have not yet bowed their knee to Baal, to the false gods. And that was my experience as I call out to the Lord. Um, and that's where I met some of my cr- closest friends whom um, you guys have heard on this podcast. If you go back and listen to the love episode, you know, and many more. Um, but, you know, especially that crew, like we've really... Uh, grown together and I'm so thankful for them that they have become so dear to me Um, and that you know as we've grown as people you know we've also grown spiritually together and fought next to each other in prayer and um, yeah it's, it's beautiful to me to see that flow from out of college into uh, what I hope would be the rest of our lives. Um, So yeah, and you know, after school, I moved to Charlottesville, Virginia, um, which is an hour away from Lynchburg, where I went to Liberty University. So was in Virginia, moved to Texas, moved back to Virginia. The fam is back up here. Um, and yeah, since then been working, growing, um, been plugged into a local church and, you know, my testimony is still happening. Um, my story is still happening that I'm continually a witness, not only to what God has done in my life, but what he is doing as I work, as I learn what it means to be, uh, a faithful member of God's church and to help. Uh, the brothers and sisters, to cross the finish line together. Um, 
as I do music, which is uh, another thing that happened soon after becoming a Christian is I got into doing music and I uh, saw that as such a, like the Lord gave me that gift and it became this way of being able to express what I was learning about Him and about life and um, that's something that I desire to to give back to Him in praise. I'm so thankful for it. Like songwriting is um, a gift that I enjoy so much and you know it's one that I want to to use for the Lord. Um, I still, you know, I still have struggles because I am a sinner. I, I am a human on this side of eternity. And one of the things that the Lord showed me when I was uh, 16, when I came to know him, was that lust was like a brick in this wall that I was building between him and I. Um, And ultimately, that wall was idolatry. And lust was a fruit of that idolatry. Um, So is, you know, pride and selfishness and unbelief and, um, you know, whatever other sin, you know, all these expressions and, and really pride, selfishness, unbelief, those are the roots of a lot of other sins that manifest themselves in stealing, lying, cheating, lust, adultery, um, coveting, all these all these different things. Um, the Lord showed me that, you know, there were <laughs> there were greater things at root and ultimately it wasn't idolatry. And I think that helped reframe my my idea of righteousness um, because it's a holistic one. It's not, well, once I just get over this anger issue, then I will, I'll be, I'll be all right. It's not, well, once I just get over this lust issue, then I'll be all right. You know, and I grew to see just like how, I've grown to see more of how prideful I am. Um, I definitely don't think I see the depths of it as the Lord does. Um, but to see there are more issues in life than lust. There is pride. There is selfishness. Um, and it manifests itself in various ways. Um, but if I could say one thing that I've seen over and over again throughout the years, um, especially in these past few years, is God's faithfulness and His grace. Man, God's faithfulness. Um, I think maybe the past four five years has just been um, my theme, I feel like. And obviously there's grace and there's justice and there um, there's so much of God's character to be explored in all of his righteousness and all of his mercy and all of his holiness. He is a holy God. Um, but I think one thing that has felt so emphasized has been the faithfulness of God, um, that he's been with me through so many ups and downs. 2017, 2018 were super hard years for me. Um, spiritually were probably the most, um, difficult and most dry years, uh, that I have faced. Um, and God has seen me through that. 
Uh, he's been so faithful to me. And so, yes, my story goes on, and I think if I were to say anything um, to, to, to conclude, it would be that God is faithful. He was faithful to pursue me for so long of rebelling against him, of being someone who had heard his word and yet loved other things more than him, um, you know, loved my passions, loved uh, my goals, loved my gifts, loved my imagination, loved my lust, loved my pride, loved, you know, all these things more than God, and yet he still loved me and that he sent his son Jesus to die for my sins in my place. And he put my sins on Christ Jesus and put his righteousness on me so that I would no longer be counted as an enemy of God, but that I would be counted as a child of God. And so now I can be close to God. Um, And for my entire life, up until that point, I was not close to God. And yet he was pursuing me, his enemy, um, to make me his friend and even greater than that, to make me his child, so that the same sonship that Jesus has, because I'm clothed in his righteousness, that I would have that same sonship. And so that is my testimony, and now being a different Nathan Emmanuel Bowen, now being a different man, a child of God, I'm continuing to go through this life as I fight through this uh, sinful flesh and body, and Um, I have a faithful God who's with me, and now I have a power in me, the Holy Spirit, which overcomes my sins. You know, the power of the cross is, is within me, that I'm crucified with Christ. And, and, uh, when I was, when I was in high school, one of the verses that I clung to that is still so potent to me today is Galatians 2.20, and it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And that is the truth of God that I cling to. So friends, thank you for letting me share my testimony. God bless you.